Truth Espresso, episode 82. Bonus episode. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Well, hey there, this is your host of Truth Espresso, Daniel Minnick. And right now I'm going through a series of episodes talking about uh, Christological issues, identifying who and what Jesus Christ is with the backdrop of asking the question, is Jesus like different superheroes? Now for this episode, we're going to take a little break from that for this bonus episode so that we can just get a little personal right now. You get to know me and get to know my wife. Now, my wife has been a guest on Truth Espresso uh, back in the episode 50s series um, when we talked about the topic of abortion and different aspects related to abortion, how to have compassion uh, for people who were considering abortion, how to explain the problems of abortion to people, because a lot of people don't understand that topic. But in this episode, we're going to just kind of get a little bit down to earth. We're just going to kind of open up and have an informal dialogue about really just trusting God in the midst of all the craziness. I mean, we just got out of 2020 and it seems like 2020 has not finished. 2021 just got off to a bang with recent events. It doesn't yet look to be an improvement, but God is still on the throne. And so for this episode, back as a guest on Truth Espresso is my wife, Chelsea. So Chelsea, welcome back to Truth Espresso. Hi, everyone, and thank you for having me on Truth Espresso again. So Chelsea, you came up with the idea for this episode because you really wanted to just kind of chat um, because a lot of people, you know, I'd say we included, can get a little stressed out and distressed. It seems like the world is just falling to pieces. And, you know, as Christians, there's more to reality than just the struggle with flesh and blood. We realize that our battles against the principalities and powers, the rulers and darkness of this world, but it's not just us against craziness. We know that there's a God in heaven who is sovereign, who knows about this, and we have the assurance of the world of the word of God that God will win in the end. But until then, it can be hard sometimes to really face what's going on. We feel powerless. We feel like we're under the control of people in power, and and it seems like they have the intentions of making anyone who doesn't agree with their agendas fear them and submit to them. And so it it just seems like things are really bleak. And if you have some thoughts or some questions you wanted to ask about some things in your mind that just, we hope that we can encourage ourselves and encourage our listeners to put their faith and trust in, in God. 
Yes. So I love having conversations with you about different things that are going on, whether it be politics or relationships or child rearing or whatever. Usually they're kind of late into the night conversations, but I really like that we can just talk about what our struggles are, what our thoughts are about how to handle different situations and just kind of getting to know each other on a deeper level. I think communicating with uh, your spouse is so important. And especially now with all of the recent turmoil, all the differences of opinion and the fighting and isolation, it just leaves people feeling hopeless. And that's kind of a scary place to be. And even Christians are really struggling with this right now too. So I was just thinking that through some of our conversations we've had recently, and just to brag on my husband a little bit, I just love that if I am feeling discouraged or stressed or anxious, then I go to him and be like, hey, can we pray? I'm feeling really stressed right now. And he, without hesitation, will hold my hand and we get to pray together. And that is just so special to me. Or sometimes he'll have a Bible verse that he'll share with me and that will encourage me as well. So I was thinking through all those different times that we've talked about this, maybe we could share some of the ideas that we've talked about. So what are some things that you do to help relieve your stress or anxiety? Well, Chelsea, I I just have to put my trust in God. I have to really, you know, take a step back when it feels like we're immersed in so much stuff. And it's like we read the news and it seems like black is white, left is right, up is down. And and it seems like to anyone reading a lot of things in the news, they just have to scratch their heads and think, why are people saying this? Why does the media, you know, do they think I'm dumb? You know, like, do they think I don't have a brain that I can't discern what's really right and what's really wrong? And, you know, we get so immersed in it. It's like being on social media and, you know, you just look at, scroll up news uh, article after news article, and it's just nothing but bleak nonsense trying to push falsehood as truth. And then, so like what helps me is to just think of the big picture, take a step back first, you know, if I need to clear my head, just take a little break from the news. I know as someone who does a podcast, I feel like I've got to be on the bleeding edge sometimes of what's going on. But then I, it's like I have to take a step back, look at the big picture, remember that there is a God in heaven. And, and as we talked about on one of our episodes about abortion and the gospel, especially with abortion, it's like the truth is so obvious, and yet the world wants to promote falsehood as truth. But knowing there is such a thing as absolute truth that demands an absolute God, I could take a step back, turn off the news (laughs) in my mind, uh, remember that there is a God in heaven who is in control, because if there weren't, nothing would make sense. There would be no truth. And so necessarily there is a God who is in control and I can have hope in him. And then I also will reflect on the word of God and uh, accounts in the Bible. I think of people who really went through rough things and we do see a lot of evil and a lot of, of tyranny, but 
people in the Bible, they had the tyranny without the technology, they had, without the comforts that we enjoy. And I think of what Job had to go through. Really, Job is someone that I, I look to personally anytime that I'm really, really struggling. I compare what I'm going through with Job, and Job didn't see what was going on behind the scenes. <laughs> we, we, re, we get to read and see the adversary, Satan, conversation with God, and the testing and trials of Job, and that, okay, God allowed, obviously allowed these things to happen to test Job, and Satan was accusing, you know, he's the accuser of the brethren, and so I may not fully understand or know what's going on behind the scenes as far as the devil and God in any situation, what kind of conversations are going on, how God is permitting bad things to happen, but I know that God's in control, and we know that Job didn't see that, and wow, what he went through, we, we have an attachment to our material well-being, and but Job lost it all, and even he lost his children, and I, I just can't even imagine what that would be like. And then even, you know, his wife turned on him, so he was all alone, and then he had three friends who weren't really the best friends, and Job suffered physically with boils, and it's almost like consciously feeling death. <laughs> and But yet, he wasn't perfect, but he still trusted God, and then in the end of it all, because he endured this, God kind of told Job's friends, you know, you need to repent of what you said to him. And then he blessed Job. This was before, really, it might have been the same time as with Abraham. So Job wasn't an Israelite in covenant with God. So God can bless Job for going through things. Now, that doesn't mean we have the same promise that if we go through things, we'll get tenfold or twice as much uh, what he lost. <laughs> but we do know that there is a God in heaven who knows what we're going through, and he's not powerless. So if he allows things, he allows us to be tested and tried as gold, and, and we have the blessed hope. We have eternal life with Jesus. And so, you know, we just have to look at, you know, take us, as I said, take a step back from what's in front of us and look at the big picture and remember how people have gone through things that are much worse than what we're seeing today. You know, I even another example, I think of David at Ziklag, you know, all the war weariness, and then he goes and he sees that his family is captured by the enemy, and, and then his men are like going to turn on him. So it's not like they're giving him a pat on the back and saying it's going to be okay. They're, they're blaming him. This is David encouraged himself in the Lord. How did he do that? I don't, I don't know how he could do that when everything is against him. And But yet God blessed him and allowed him to take back his family really unharmed. And so there, there is hope because there is a God and we know we have the hope of eternal life. And yeah, so <laughs> taking a step back, looking at the big picture and trusting in God and thinking of even those who've gone before us, that they've gone through things much worse than we've had. And so in that way, we know that there's there's hope. <laughs> yes, I love your point of 
taking a step back and looking at the big picture, which is something I know I struggle with because I'm a very detailed person. I love details. And sometimes that can become very overwhelming because you're almost drowning in all that turmoil and craziness that you're just letting yourself become influenced by. So I like how you said, like taking that step back and looking at the big picture. I think that's a huge help for me and for other people. And that's one thing that I love about our relationship too, is that you are the more big picture. So (laughs) when I'm like, oh, I'm struggling, I just feel so overwhelmed with everything that's going on. You're really good about pulling me back and saying, okay, now wait a minute, let's take a step back and look at this. And I think that's really helpful. So um, just for people that are listening that may be struggling with feeling overwhelmed with everything that's going on, just taking that step back and looking at the bigger picture. And like you said, we have all these examples in God's word of people that have gone through struggles. And a lot of times they have been worse than what we've gone through. I know there are people that are going through very hard times right now. And just seeing how in the Bible, God was always faithful to those who believed and um, just remembering that and that we can have that hope when we look through those different passages. So maybe on a less deep level of ways that you deal with stress and anxiety, what are some other things that you might do? I mean, just what kind of what I'm thinking maybe is when you go on walks, like you just like, okay, I need a break. I need to go out, just take a walk, let my brain kind of rejuvenate, get some fresh air. Yeah. So uh, as Chelsea mentioned, one of the things that helps me is like, okay, if I'm stressed over something like say work, just being able to find little breaks can help me clear my mind. And then Sometimes when you're faced with a big problem and you're you're struggling so hard and you can't figure it out, it's like a, having a fresh pair of eyes can help you just come back, for, you know, like a half hour later or something like that. And I found like, you know, as a software developer, I can be racking my brain trying to solve a problem. And then if I just take a little walk and then come back to it, having allowed my mind to rest from that and think of something else, then I'll come back and, and just the little bit of unfamiliarity with the problem from that little bit of a break can help actually solve a problem because if you're so focused on the familiarity of it, it actually helps to solve it when you're a little bit unfamiliar the same principle is like, say, when you're writing a book, which is something I really want to publish some more books, and I am working on some books, what helps uh, self-edit is if I write part of the book, then a few days later, I look at the book or a chapter with fresh eyes, not having that immediate familiarity with what I just wrote helps me to see how I can improve it. And so that that principle is something I also can do if I'm stressed out, is to find something else to occupy my mind for a little bit of time. So whether I'm trying to solve a problem or just trying to deal with, as we mentioned, the stress of things going on, just, you know, I don't want to blank my mind. I'm someone who's got to 
have my mind constantly doing something. So it helps, you know, it's like, you know, say if you have a, a bad diet, you know, instead of just cutting your calories or cutting, you know, how much you eat, it's just trying to find ways to replace something that's less than ideal with something that is healthier. So replacing your brain functions on something stressful with something that can help you relax can help relieve stress and of course one of those things is to read some bible verses or pray as sometimes when chelsea and i get stressed out we'll pray together and i recommend to the couples listening you know as the saying goes the family that prays together stays together and you know sometimes you can feel a little bit vulnerable or whatever when you pray together as a couple but that's the way god designed marriage and when you do that you have no idea just how incredible it is and how it it draws you together it makes you love each other and in ways you didn't realize you could do that and finding ways to distract yourself from the stress, from the problems, to something that is productive, is relaxing, is something I I recommend for your mental, physical, and spiritual health. (laughs) Yes, those are great points. I really like how you talk about just thinking of the different aspects of your well-being and just even how thinking how everything is so integrated, your spiritual and mental and physical, all that goes together. So even if you're just exercising to relieve stress, you're still not relieving stress spiritually, potentially. And I just wonder what your thoughts are too, babe. I was thinking of this while you're talking about just how we live in such a fast-paced society that everyone's constantly going and we don't really take that step back and take that time to wait, let's stop. Let's think about this. Let's absorb it. Let's um, pray about it. Let's, you know, research it out. I feel like so many times we're just like, okay, we just need to keep pushing through it, keep pushing through it. But after a while, you're so worn out because you haven't taken that time. And I just wonder what your thoughts are. You see David constantly in Psalms talking about meditating day and night. You see um, Paul encouraging us to pray without ceasing and just all these different examples of really taking that time to reflect and taking that step back. Oh, yes, Chelsea, that's a, that's a definitely a good point there. And as you mentioned, we live in a really fast-paced world, and for better, for worse, that's the way a lot of things are. Due to the efficiency, now we think that technology that makes things more efficient would give us more free time to reflect but then you know since we have all this technology and increased efficiency over things you know like say doing laundry a hundred years ago required a family you know like the mother and all the the daughters to wash clothes by hand and it could take uh, for the family there to like three days just to wash and dry the clothes and um, like so we have things you know dishwasher or whatever different kinds of tools that help us get things done quickly quickly and you know we can be incredibly productive with our computers and our phones but one of the things that we often do instead of allowing ourselves to have more time to meditate on good things on the bible and jesus christ or have more time 
to ourselves is that we replace, you know, we fill in more fast paced things. So we're, although we're getting a lot of things done or maybe not necessarily productively, we're still doing a lot of things and, and we're filling in all that saved time with more hectic, fast paced things. And even though we have a lot of efficiency, we could still burn ourselves out. And I mean, I know that we, you know, as parents of four children, we can you know, we're definitely on our toes, like the whole day, you know. Um, so there's not a lot that could be done about that necessarily. But yeah, we think about the way people often use their phones, like it's like scrolling through social media and, you know, looking at their friends and what the better life it seems that your friends have than you do because of all the stuff they post on social media about all the cool, fun events they're doing. And it seems like their lives are so much better than your own. And I did do an episode about that earlier this year, about how not to let social media depress you, um, how we can get the wrong idea because you look through social media like Facebook or Instagram and you see all your family and friends posting the highlights of their lives and we don't see all the things that they don't post because normally the way you want people to see you is you smile for the camera, but people might not see all the difficulties that are going on behind the scenes that are not things that you pose for the camera for. And so, you know, then that can really depress people because they wonder, why am I having such a rough life and everyone else doesn't? It's because we don't see the rough lives that other people have because Everyone's trying to put on an image of themselves for everyone else, and that can cause a lot of strife and jealousy. And so just, I mean, at least having an understanding of that can help. But um, yeah, so we mentioned the hectic lives that people have. So yes, there's, there's no way around the hecticness of life or at least the fact that we have to work, we have to take care of our kids, but it's always good to find at least little breaks if you can. Five minutes, 10 minutes, you know, a half hour at some point when after you've exhausted yourself to be able to just meditate on something good, just relax, you know read the Bible, read a few verses, you know, we're not talking about going out and soaking in the hot tub necessarily. It's just little breaks here and there, you know, they can really help. And just taking a break from the stress and anxiety and thinking about something wholesome as we see in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 where the Apostle Paul says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Now this wasn't Paul speaking this writing this from a mansion. He was writing this from prison. He was probably not in 
the best physical condition at this point, having been whipped and having a sore body, and he's chained to uh, guards, and he knows that his time is coming pretty soon where he's going to have, he's going to lose his head. So it's, it's you know, it, it's amazing when you read Philippians, and it's just oozing with all this joy, and you know, like, it's not like Paul was just gleeful and happy, you know, he had joy, and I and you know that he also had fear, you know, we he also had struggles, as we see in Romans chapter 7, where Paul talks about the things that I want to do, I don't do them, and, oh, you know, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death, but I he thanks God who gives him the victory and for the resurrection, so we know that he struggled and he was open about that, but the epistle to the Philippians is, it just has a lot of joy in it, and it's coming from someone who, humanly speaking, has no reason for joy. And so the reason he has all this joy and he wants his his readers to have joy is because of the hope that he had in spite of the circumstances he was in. Yes, I think Philippians 4 is my favorite chapter of all. (laughs) It's just like so amazing, like you said, that someone who is in a bad place what we would say is a bad place and yet he can still talk about having joy and having peace and yeah that's just amazing um i was thinking too as you were talking there that it sounds like we have to be intentional about taking that time and taking that space to be able to step back and be thankful for the blessings that we have and sometimes we overlook because we're just so consumed with everything that's going bad we're not taking that time to step back and be like okay now wait a minute look at all these good things God has done for us and also being intentional about praying which I think is really hard even as Christians I know I struggle with this a lot of times too just being intentional about praying being intentional about reading God's word And in the chaos and kind of the disheartening news that we've seen over the last year and this last week, a lot of times we neglect God's word even more. And again, I'm definitely guilty of this as well. But it seems like those these are the times that we need to turn to prayer, turn to God's word even more so that we can get strength. We can see that there is still hope. And I was thinking one of my favorite verses is Isaiah 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. So just again, thinking of that time of, okay, stepping back, waiting on God, that actually gives you strength and that you can keep going and not become weary. So since we're kind of talking about some of our Bible verses, that's my next question for you. Do you have any Bible verses that you go to to encourage you or give you hope? I mean, especially in times like this, when there's so much political turmoil, I have to you know, as I said, take a step back and realize where my trust should be. You know, I see like, okay, we can't trust whoever the president is. We can't have our trust in that. And, you know, I, I we talk about the events of the last week and, you know, it's like, seems like it's, you know, supposed to be, you know, which side are you on in this battle? And although I'd have to say that I, I favor one 
side over the other to some respect, <laughs> um, I still have to think of the people who entered the Capitol and how zealous they were about their cause, but I feel sorry for them because it's like their hope and trust is in whoever's in the White House. And so their misguided attempt to go into the Capitol and think that was going to accomplish something, you know, these people really believe in the cause and what they were doing that it would somehow do something because to them it's like i don't know god's not on the throne it's like we've got to have um president trump on the throne else <laughs> the world's gonna collapse and that's it and you know it's like as much as uh, you know i could say that uh, i'm tempted to despair at what's going on not only for the fact that I don't like who's coming in to sit on in the White House right now, who's confirmed to come in. I also don't like um, the fact that people are so desperate to do some kind of uh, revolutionary act because they're so fearful and they're so desperate that, you know, they can't trust in God that there's anything beyond this. And so you know, if I think of some verses that talk about where our trust should be when it comes to political turmoil, I look at Hebrews 13 and verse 6 that says, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And then there's another verse that I use a lot if I talk to people about politics and it's kind of like, you've got to be loyal to one party over another. Like, true, it's black and white. Truth is in this one party and everything depends on this party having control over this other party. And when elections, every election becomes the most important election in the history of the world. Now, I'm not going to downplay that things keep getting more and more intense every election cycle, but I'll bring up Psalm 20, verse 7, where the psalmist says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. So we have to ask Christian, where is your trust? Is it in the chariots? Is it in the armies of America? Is it in who sits in the White House or who's in the House of Representatives? Who's in the Senate? Or is it in God who is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Now, I'm not saying that we have to be passive when it comes to our responsibilities to make the world a better place and to, to follow God's commands and persuade people and, and try to get the right people in office so that they judge righteous judgment. But does our faith, does our trust depend in people, in politicians, in offices, in man, or does it depend on God? And so I think that Psalm 20, verse 7 is a good verse. I, I really think about that verse a lot when I get stressed about politics, because, you know, even at the time, this is obviously talking about a time in Israel's history that, you know, we read about all the captivities, you know, they had enemies on all sides of them, and there's often a lot of battles and wars. And so this, for the psalmist to say that he doesn't trust in 
the chariots and horses of war, but in the name of the Lord, his God, that's pretty amazing. And that's where I think, you know, Christians, we should remember to put our trust in God, not in who is in political office. Yeah, wow. Thanks for sharing that verse. That's a really good verse to reflect upon. Um, I was also thinking of Romans eight twenty four, mm-hmm. for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. So it seems a lot of times we get so overwhelmed or looking for hope in what we see. So we see all this crazy turmoil and who's going to be president and are we going to have lockdowns still and all that craziness. We keep looking for hope instead of trusting in God and his word. And it says that hope is not seen and that we can actually be assured that God is in control and that he is who we can trust. And I just thought that verse was really helpful too in reading that this week. Amen, a sweetheart, the the hope that is not seen. That's that's that can be difficult, but you know, that's um as Hebrews eleven says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it, to say that faith is the evidence of things not seen? Like, how can there be evidence of something you can't see? And of course, you know, to materialists, um, that all their hope and you know their belief in reality is nothing but what they can see with their own eyes. But really, you know, that that doesn't even make any absolute sense um, that the the only thing you could hope for is what you could see with your own eyes because how did what you see with your own eyes get there without something that's not made from what's there and and so that you know I know that's the kind of the cosmological argument or you know for the existence of God in a way but you know really as as Christians what is unseen is the promise of the future and the promise of eternal life and new heavens and new earth that Jesus comes to rule and reign and we don't have to worry about, oh, he's only going to be there for a four-year term and it depends on whether a majority of the population elect him to be in office. You know, he's going to be the righteous, perfect king he will rule with a rod of iron, but that, but we as Christians know that, you know, as we rule and reign with him, it's not, it's not burdensome in any way. It will be a, a joyous time was we're in our resurrected glorified bodies of which Christ being raised from the dead is the first fruits of them that slept. And so we'll get to be like Christ. That's the hope that we have and we'll be glorified and we'll get to reign with him over the earth and it will be a much better earth and the kingdom that he will give is not going to be some draconian tyrannical kingdom like the world wants it will be a it will be the greatest freedom we've ever experienced and as uh, the bible says in second corinthians 3 7 i mean as the apostle paul is talking about the greatness of the new covenant over the old covenant where he says, 
Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So it's, even as he's talking about this is the spirit of the law of God, and as the the psalmist says, the law of God is not grievous to those who love it. And the spirit of the law is the, the, the spirit of Christ, where we see things like, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, or steal, or covet, and stuff like that. And when we're redeemed by the blood of Christ, we have the Holy Spirit living within us, then that is not something that's burdensome, that's freeing, that we can live uh, free to Christ by uh, with a regenerate heart. And we love the fact that that's God's will, that we don't fight and kill each other. And <laughs> it's something we get to do in our liberty is to love one another and to love the God who saved us. And that's, you know, the gospel that we can preach to the world like, you know, Jesus Christ died so that you can be forgiven of your sins and you can love the one who died for you. You can love your fellow man and, you know, you don't feel like it's the survival the fittest and that you have to fight and kill and destroy for good. <laughs> you know, you realize that the the spirit of of the of god's law god's morality god's eternal will is something that is liberating it's it's liberating not to steal kill and destroy but to love one another because you know love is possible the apostle paul said for love is the fulfilling of the law and eternity with christ will be eternity of love and not death and so the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And so it's eternal life. And, you know, I just look forward to an eternity of just love and life, not death and hatred. Mm, yes. And I like how you pointed out too, like just reflecting on how thankful we can be that our hope and salvation is in Jesus Christ and that's eternal. There isn't an expiration. There isn't a four-year term or eight-year term. Like Just knowing that it's a an eternal hope is very reassuring. And wow, I'm so thankful that you let me <laughs> just randomly do this podcast with you and just kind of get to learn more about ways that we can help each other get through this and encourage each other and remember to take that time to reflect on God's goodness and praying and his word. So thanks for letting me do this with you. Yeah, thank you, sweetheart. I I really enjoy doing these episodes. And like, you know, like you said, it's kind of like get to know me, get to know both of us. And it's like, sometimes it's like, when I'm doing my solo episodes, I feel like I'm a, like just a curmudgeon barking out my opinions and doctrine and stuff like that. And then it's like, uh, you know, when you come in as a guest, it it's like it tur the episode turns into something that's so down to earth and from the heart. And so I think I, we need to do more of these episodes so that I'm not just some cranky curmudgeon preaching my, you know, ideas and doctrine, you know, uh, just hardcore truth. Here it is. You know, it's like our, you can find out what my heart is like to some extent because, you know, 
because, you know, we can talk about these type of things. And, you know, I think that's what a marriage is, is all about. It's, it's a deep relationship. It's not the surface level things like, um, you know, like some of your acquaintances and friends, but, you know, and then as a couple, when we do episodes, it's like kind of sharing our hearts with our listeners. And so, uh, Chelsea, sweetheart, thank you for um, thinking of doing this episode and um, encouraging me to do this. And so I think our listeners um, really enjoyed uh, this episode because we really need encouragement in all that's going on and, you know, just to take a step back look at the big picture, look at the hope that we have as Christians, and just ask ourselves the question, where's our focus? Where's our faith? Remember, there's that thing called the gospel that's the ultimate truth and what, why we're here on this earth and that we have a commission from our Savior to tell people about that, not just give our opinions about who should be in the White House or how, you know, things should be handled at some political level. And so, you know, it's like really nice to think about faith and hope and love. (laughs) And so I hope you enjoyed listening to this bonus episode, taking a step back. And so I encourage you, our listeners, to just take a step back look at the big picture, think about the gospel, think about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ amidst all the strife and craziness of this world and the uh, the years that we're in, and remember who's on the throne. And so that's uh, your encouragement from Truth Espresso, Daniel and Chelsea Minnick. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso. 